0: Exchange. I'd be so pumped for Tuesdays and I'd be so excited to see y'all. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yo, we are here for number two of Deep Clean. Last week we did comparison and, you know, it was hitting me in my feels, of course. And so this week, I hope to hit y'all and y'all feels a little, just a little bit, just a tap on your feels today. Um, but before that, I want to tell you a little story. So when I was in high school, I was a busybody. I did everything. Like I was in all the clubs. I was uh, captain of the color guard my junior year. I did color guard for three years. I was in FCA, FCCLA, Mu Alpha Theta. Yes, I was in the math club and I was in the reading club. No, I wasn't cool. It's cause I didn't have time to be cool. Okay. So I was in everything. I felt so much pressure to be great at everything. Our culture especially tells us that we have to keep pushing and keep grinding and and we don't sleep, you know? And that's the thing that is on Instagram right now. Like, I'm like, oh, you only got two hours of sleep? How nice for you. I can't do that. In high school, I did somehow though, not sure how I did. I was mostly a straight A student. I had the, the occasional B here and there. I worked really hard at whatever I did, but because I was putting so much pressure on myself, High school was the time that I started to experience my early struggles with perfectionism. And for teachers, that's great because you're a perfectionist and you're getting A's in their classes and they're not caring because you're getting A's and you're boosting their scores. But for me, I was falling apart a little on the inside. And so freshman year, sophomore year, I did some of those clubs. I might have done one here and one there. But junior year is the year that they tell you to start preparing for college, right? You have to do all the applications. You have to make sure that everything you do is top tier. And so I did pretty much all of those things junior year. Like, I stacked them up. I took two APs on top of doing all my classes. That that was the year I was captain of the color guard. I was captain of the culinary competition team. I was competing in Mu Alpha Theta. So not only was I just participating in activities, I was bearing the burden of being the leader in those activities. And because I'd to do everything so perfect, I was extremely overwhelmed. I was constantly working to be the best, and there was no time for rest. Like, I was literally jumping from homework to practice to practice to homework. Maybe they were sleeping there, not sure, and then I'd do it again. The third quarter, Of school is when I really it really hit its apex like third quarter in high school is when basically the AP exams come, championships for guard were around, culinary competition was finally around and I just remember going to the front of the auditorium at my school and sitting down and trying not to have a panic attack (laughs) like I was having so much anxiety and of all the pressure I had put on myself that I was just paralyzed Like, I I couldn't imagine running at this pace for much longer. And then my coaches started to become frustrated with me, right? I was trying to do everything at a high level, but because I had signed up for so much, there was no way that I could. Like, I was leaving guard, I was leaving culinary practice early to make it late to guard practice. So this coach is mad at me because I left early and this coach is mad at me because I came late. Homework got heavier and heavier as I was preparing for the exams. And I was also a student leader at church, but just because I was there doesn't mean I was necessarily like mm, absorbing anything, doing my own quiet time with God. Like I was basically just doing my thing, like being there to be there. And I felt like I couldn't make everyone happy. And maybe you're like me and you felt this way too and you feel pressure, but maybe it might not be pressure to be perfect. You know, maybe perfection pressure is not the one that gets to you. Maybe you're anxious about being successful. Maybe you're anxious and you're having anxiety attacks about uh, your social situations that you have to be in. Maybe it's about your parents and how they're always on top of you, putting pressure on you to get better grades and act a certain way and dress a certain way. And maybe it's anxiety for the future and not knowing where you're going to go. Not knowing if God has it in his plans to bring you a spouse. Not knowing if God has it in his plans to give you this career that you want. And if it's not one of these things, then maybe it's, something else. Maybe it's something that I haven't mentioned, but it's important to note that you're not alone. The National Health Institute, the National Institute of Mental Health says that 22% of young adults will experience an anxiety disorder. Now that's clinically diagnosed. One in five people are young adults who will experience an anxiety disorder. So if you look around on your row, there's probably two people who could have been statistically diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So this is something we all deal with. Because I didn't treat it in high school, it did follow me into my young adult life. I went off to college and honestly, I hadn't found any positive ways to cope with it yet. I moved to New York alone without my family, without any community or anything like that. And one day, we were standing in line for class to wait for Chef to open the door and I ran to the bathroom in panic because I was just having, if you've heard any of my other talks before, I tell you how my chefs are extra and they roast us all the time. But I was, that day I just couldn't take it. And I went in there, I went into the bathroom and I had like six minutes to get back to class. And I went in there, had a panic attack. Like I was shaking, I was crying, I was breathing heavy. And then I had to wipe my eyes and go to class. Like it didn't just happen once. It was a cycle of me doing it over and over and over and over. Now the good thing is if you're anything like I was in high school or like I was in college, there is hope for you, right? So I wanna tell you where that hope comes from. There's a story in Mark chapter two that I'd like for us to turn our attention to. So Mark chapter two, verse one to five reads, when Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the man on a mat that the paralytic which was laying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. So there's a couple things that are happening here. Jesus is giving a message, and some guys were like, oh, did y'all hear about this man, Jesus? like." he's healing people. He, I heard he does miracles. I heard he does things for people. And I can imagine one of his friends was probably like, nah, he ain't doing miracles. And he was like, nah, come on, let's take our friend. Like he's paralyzed and we really don't have any other choice, right? So we're going to put him on this mat and we're going to take him to Jesus. But there was no room for them to get in. They said that there was no room. There was no room in the front, the back, everybody was standing squished like sardine cans, but they weren't done trying. They hoisted their paralyzed friend. Mind you, this is biblical times. There was no elevator. It wasn't like they got an elevator to the roof. They had to fashion something to hoist a grown man on a mat up on a roof and then dismantle the roof to get him down to Jesus. But when they finally got him to Jesus, he he forgave the man's sins and he healed him. So this isn't just a cool Bible story. I didn't just want to tell you a cool story. Like Jesus has... (laughs) the power to help us with things that are paralyzing us. And the only way that we can get those things healed is if we take ourselves to Jesus. He does not want to see us in pain. He wants us to come to him when we are hurt, when we are tired, when we are fearful, when we are depressed, and when we are anxious. And we need to do whatever it takes to get to him. So after leaving college, and I had to come back home and there were some circumstances that were not under my control that made me come back home. <laughs> All right. So at this point I didn't have any of these activities I had previously. I didn't have class. I didn't have pressures from clubs or teachers or parents or anything like that. I had two jobs, but two part-time jobs. They weren't like super pressury, but I was still waking up with this anxiety. Mind you, I told you I had it in high school. I had it in college, and now I have it at home after college. I had never dealt with it, and I just kept on carrying it through each stage of my life. But there was a time where I was just tired of feeling empty and feeling tense all the time, and I was like, I have to do something about this. Never previously had I talked to God about this anxiety. So I remember there was one day I was driving on Gun Highway. I remember where I was. <laughs> and I was just like, God, if you're up there, can you just please do something? Because there's nothing else that I could do. And I can tell you right now in this stage of life I'm in, I'm no longer gripped by the anxiety that I was gripped from before. I had to give it to Jesus. And that's the only way that we can receive healing. So it's not that I don't experience anxious moments anymore. It's not that I walk into every room and I'm just cool with everything. But my whole life isn't dominated by it. There's a difference between having a little anxious moment, oh, I have to do this thing that I'm not familiar with, and I wake up and my body is gripped with anxiety. My my body is now dominated by Jesus. My life is dominated by Jesus. And my life is overseen by peace. And the only way you can get that peace is through the Father. Have you ever needed to get somewhere? And this always happens when you're running late. Like, you know when you're running late, you hit all the red lights, everything. You always lose something, right? So you're ever running late, and you lose your keys. And you know you can't physically leave your house until you find your keys. So you're frantically looking everywhere. Oh, and then you find your keys, and you're like, "Whoo! of course, they were in the place I looked three times. Not sure how I didn't see them the first three times, but whatever. Then you grab your keys, and you put them in your car, and you leave in peace, knowing that I have my keys now, and I can get to where I need to go. Well, let me tell you, if you don't have Jesus going with you, you aren't going anywhere because he is the key. He is the key to take you in peace where you need to go in life. In Jeremiah 29, 13, Jesus tells tells us that when we seek him, we will find him when we seek him with all our hearts. We need to be willing to take the roof off of our comfort and seek Jesus and take our worries to him. Not just sending him with one prayer. Not just sitting with your anxiety and expecting him to magically come and take it from you. You have to give it to him. The men who brought their friend, who was paralyzed, stopped at nothing until they got healing for him. You have to seek that healing for yourself and the only way to do that and the only way to have peace is through Jesus. And so maybe this isn't your problem. Like Maybe anxiety is not the problem that you're dealing with, but I bet you you know someone who is considering one in five of us are clinically diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, have you shared Jesus with them? Have you given them the tools to get to the key for peace? Have you told them that there's somewhere they can take their anxiety? And if they're not taking it to Jesus themselves, can you put them on the mat and take them to Jesus yourself? Have you thought to be in their mess with them? Because once you get in someone's mess with them, just like the men, they weren't paralyzed. The people who took their friend to Jesus were not paralyzed, but they got into that man's mess with him, and then he could receive healing. So you might ask myself, Tay, I hear you telling me to take my anxieties to Jesus, right? That sounds all fun and all, but how? (laughs) Like, how do I even do that? Well, I would tell you, that's a good question exchange. Thank you for asking. First, I'm going to tell you that we should turn our attention to Philippians 4, 6 to 7. And it reads Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God knew we were going to feel anxious, and that's why he tells us to talk to him, to give it to him so that he could work it out for us. He knew that you were gonna feel anxious about feeling lonely. That maybe you don't have somebody by your side to keep you warm during cuffing season, you know? He knew that you were gonna feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by classes and activities and, and wanting to have a promotion and feeling society pressures that maybe I haven't gotten married by the time that society tells me I need to or I haven't got my degree by the time society needs to and now they're gonna, I can tell you that those questions don't ever stop. Like I just got married people are like, we ain't gonna have a kid, we ain't gonna buy a house. Like, God knew that we were gonna feel overwhelmed by questions of society. He he knew that we were gonna feel like we were losing control, that we were not gonna have control over where our life was headed and it was gonna put us in a dark hole. He knew you would feel anxious about feeling worthy. He knew that you weren't gonna feel that you were good enough. That's why he tells us directly, don't worry about anything. It's a direct command from God. What does he tell us to do instead of being anxious? The verse says, in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The next verse after, he tells us not to be anxious and to bring our worries to him. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lonely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So this is what the Bible commands us to focus our thoughts on. And so we're supposed to use this as a checklist whenever we come across some thoughts. So if you're having anxiety about not being married yet, think is this true? Like did God directly command in his word that thou shalt must be married by 22? I missed that verse, so if you find it, let me know. Is it honorable? Am I honoring God with my thoughts right now? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? If it's not, I have to replace that thought with something that is. Is what I'm thinking about or what I'm worried about something that literally hasn't even happened yet? The basic definition of anxiety. Anxiety is defined by a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So from this definition, and also from my experience, I found that anxiety is the cross between fear and control. Fear that something bad is gonna happen, and not being able to control the outcome, and when you mix these two together, it's the perfect recipe for anxiety. For example, you might be be anxious about a test, right? You're thinking, oh my gosh, I came into class, I don't know any of this material. I'm gonna fail this test and then my grade is gonna drop and then I'm not gonna get a good career. and Then I'm not, gonna get, I'm, go- I'm not gonna get a house because I won't have any money and then I'm gonna live on the side of the road. And this test is the breaking point of um, whether I'm gonna live on the side of the road or if I'm gonna have a house and be happy. Like, like we all laugh, like that sounds funny, but like this is how our thoughts spiral. Like if we don't take control of them in the middle of that, they take us into places that we have no business being. This is just one moment in time, and we have to take our thoughts captive and not let them run wild. So in the middle of this spiral, we have to think, would Jesus want me to keep thinking about this? Or is this something that I need to give to him? If you find yourself needing to surrender what you're thinking, I want to teach you something so that you can like, actually give it to him. So there's an ex- this is an exercise for you to practice on your own with some things that might be everyday anxieties that you have that you might be blowing up into big things. But before I teach you the exercise, I do want you to know that there is room for you to ask for help outside of yourself. Sometimes it is too big a problem for us to try to handle on our own. And Jesus is the way to healing, but there are people who can put you on the mat and carry you to him. And therapists are great for that. If you have trauma that you haven't dealt with, sometimes doing a little Bible study is not, it's not going to get to the root of the problem. Grace also has resources, and I want you guys to pull out your phones. This is the, this is the part of the message where you can use your phone, yep. This QR code is going to take you over to Grace's resource page, where we have groups. If you were here last week, I believe Pastor Will was talking about Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is a group that focuses on hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And then there's also Freedom. And Freedom is a group, is a group that will take you through um, things you need to do to get free. Both of those groups are awesome for if you need a little extra support outside of exchange that really focuses on your anxiety or that really focuses on whatever you're going through that might need a little extra care than what you can give it by yourself. So I want to teach you guys how to be calm. Now, CALM is actually an acronym for how you can take your thoughts and give them to Jesus. So this is what we have to do. The C in CALM stands for Celebrate God. You'll say, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for putting food on my plate. Thank you for putting gas in my tank. Thank you for anything you can think of. If there's not something specific, like, in your life that's, like, going really great right now. The A in CALM is Ask God for Help. God, I need help right now. I am really worried about this test. I, I, am, I am thought spiraling out of control and I need you to come and take this anxiety from me. The L in calm is to leave the problem with God. But God, I know that you're bigger than this problem and I know that your word tells me not to worry. So I want to leave this worry with you and focus on what is true, what is honorable, what is just, and what is pure. And the M stands for meditate on good things. So I want everybody to repeat after me. When my thoughts get out of control, I'm sorry. I only heard this side of the room. When my thoughts get out of control, I need to remain calm. I need to celebrate God, ask him for help, leave the problem with him, and meditate on good things. Thank you. That's that, You guys did great. Good job. I'm proud. Yes! (laughs) So, take a picture of this because you're not going to remember it later. I promise you, you won't. It's going to leave you. Okay? So, right now, (laughs) you might be asking me, okay, that M, that M part, meditate on good things. What is spiritual meditation? Some of y'all are thinking about a monk that sits on the floor and, like, levitates. Like, that's in becoming one with the universe. Like, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Meditation is simply thinking about something over and over and over until it becomes ingrained in your heart and your spirit. So there's a couple ways that you can meditate. You can read a verse over and over to yourself. You can memorize it and speak it. You can write it down repeatedly. You can listen to the Bible audio and you can recite them to yourself throughout the day. So there's several apps. I mean, we're always on our phones. There's several apps that can help you with that. One, the Bible app. You can press play and they will read you the Bible. There's also an app I just downloaded recently called Verse Locker. It's really cool because you can download memory verses and it will play it over and over for you. And you can do it like a game. Instead of scrolling on your Instagram, you could be getting into God's word instead because a lot of us leave Instagram feeling more anxious and not less. Right? Yeah. So maybe download something on your phone that's going to keep you, your hands busy instead of scrolling. So right now, I want everyone to take a moment to try this exercise with me. So I, I would like everyone to close your eyes. And I want you to think about something that you're anxious about. Maybe it's starting school, you just started, maybe it's a job interview, your home situation, your health. Whatever it is, I want you to think about it. Now, if you feel anxious, I want you to think, is this thought something God would want me to meditate on? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it worthy of praise? Is it excellent? Now, because I asked you to think about something you are anxious about, it probably isn't. So first, silently to yourself, celebrate God for something he's done for you. Now ask for God's help. Ask for him to come into that anxiety with you. Now leave the problem with God. Leave it right here in this room and do not take another step outside of this room with it. Tell him right now that you are gonna give it to him and then ask for peace instead. There's a verse in Hebrews 13. You can all open your eyes and we're gonna do the M together. So Hebrews 13 says, therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? If you repeat it over and over, this is how we meditate. Therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And this practice is something you can take with you everywhere and you can pull from it whenever you need to ground yourself. But I can tell you that some of us walked in with some darkness today. Like when I told you to keep your eyes closed, it was just so intense that you were so uncomfortable that you needed to open them immediately because you've kept yourself so busy that you can't even be alone with yourself for a couple minutes where you're constantly looking for validation from others that you can't even just be with God without feeling like you need someone to be there with you. This series is called Deep Clean for a reason. And that's because it's time to clean and clear out our minds. It's time for us to stop running from our past. It's time for us to reclaim our, non- our minds and not let darkness overcome us. It's time to ask for help for the only one who can truly heal us. So John 1, 5 says that the light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome. And if you walked in with darkness, I want to tell you that Jesus is the light that can shine in your darkness and your darkness is no match for my savior. Jesus wants to come into that darkness with you. He is the heavenly son that came to light up the cold dark places of your heart in exchange. We have to let him in if we're going to deep clean any part of our hearts. I wanna invite the worship team to come back and I wanna invite everybody to stand up. We're gonna end with one last song. And if you need Jesus to come light up some of the dark spaces in your heart right now, I ask that you take some time to pray in your seat or go over the calm sequence again, because you're not alone. And Jesus makes every darkness inside of you tremble and it cannot live where he is. So right now, Be by yourself. It's not about the people around you. This is about you and God.